your name is exalted, Jesus. Hallelujah. How many people are happy to be in the house of God today? Yes. Today we declare the greatness and the power and majesty of Jesus. Good morning, Calvary. How are you today? Are you ready for God's Word? Awesome. Would you welcome everybody watching online this morning? Good morning to you, wherever you are around the country, around the world. We are going to start a series on worship. I'm very excited to introduce this to you. How many of you know that this is a church built on the Word of God, correct? But we're a worshiping church as well. We are a people that love to worship God and to be in God's presence. And so the Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So I want to build your faith in the area of worship. I want to introduce you to some different styles of worship in the Bible. Why do we worship? The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so as we hear the Word of God on worship, I want us to build faith in these moments, in these times of worship. So when we have opportunities like that Sunday night that's coming, your faith's already excited because the Word of God has positioned you to know what you're doing, what to expect, and have great expectations. And so we're going to talk about worship the next two weeks. I'm very excited about it. Go ahead and open up your Bibles, if you would please, to the book of Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Let's get into the Scripture. Today I want to talk to you about worship changes outcomes. Worship changes outcomes. How many of you know we're not just singing songs when we worship? Spiritual things are happening, and they're changing physical things. They're changing things in the natural. We're reaching into God's presence, and God's presence is reaching into our present situation. Isn't that powerful? Colossians chapter 3. Have you found it in your Bibles? Nobody. None of you have the book of Colossians in your Bible? Colossians chapter 3. Have you found it in your Bibles? All right, Colossians chapter 3, verse 14. We'll start there. The Bible says, Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. Always be thankful. Let the message about Christ In all of its richness, fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with a thankful heart. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Isn't that a wonderful passage? What I want to point out in it is how it starts off by talking about our love for one another, our unity with one another, that we are a body, and that when we come together in that love, in that unity, we come together and we begin to bless the Lord. We begin to worship Him with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. But I love that there's this reference to our relationship to each other because in order for God to truly be blessed, I think, by that worship. He wants his family, his body, to be in right relationship with each other as well. 
And we not just be a big crowd of people with a bunch of offenses and bitterness, and then we're trying to sing songs, but yet we're not doing what the Lord said to be restored to our brothers or sisters in the Lord. Because the devil's going to try to divide us. This is what he does. That's been his trick from the beginning. Churches all over the world have had to deal with that. But praise God, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen? And that God has given us the fruits of the Spirit. We're growing in those things. And love is one of those things. And we have the ability to forgive each other, to love one another. Love covers a multitude of sins. But I want us to hear that because where we're going as a church, as a house of worship, that relationship with one another is very, very important. I don't just want to be a house of music. Come on now. Don't want to be a house that just sings songs, but to be a real habitation, a real spiritual place, a place where people can come into the presence of God to where it really impacts their lives. We all have to be protective of the love and the unity we share with each other. And it's easy to say we have to be protective of it, but that means we have to be aware that the devil will try to divide us. He will try to make you think that your, your enemy is the person somewhere in this room or in this building or in this campus or something like that. And that's not true. The enemy is the devil. Come on. Amen. We're all human beings. We are going to make mistakes. And we're all going to need grace at some point. So here's the key. If you give out a lot of grace, praise God, we can also receive. <laughs> right? You reap what you sow. And so when I walk in love with other people, praise God, I can receive that as well. Because there's going to be a day that I need it too. But I wanted just to take a few minutes in the beginning to talk about that brotherly love, that unity. But now let's move into the singing. Let's talk about the expressions. Let's talk about the psalms, the hymns, spiritual songs. This is a part of the house of God. We're meant to sing. We were made to sing. We were made to write poetry and psalms and hymns and have spiritual songs where the Holy Spirit takes up with us. So we write some hymns. We write some poetry. We write some songs. But then there's times the Holy Spirit just picks up on a thought. He picks up on a word. He begins to lead us into the same phrase over and over and over again. And God is just really leaning into the spiritual moment where he's giving us the words as we sing. Or maybe we begin to sing out in the prayer language that God has given us. And we begin to sing in the Spirit where our English language isn't sufficient, so the Holy Spirit picks up and he begins to sing through us. I hope there comes times in their worship in the next few weeks where earthly words fail and the Holy Spirit just invades your mouth and invades your, spray, your space. And he just begins to say, I got you. Let me take you up another level. Let me sing things through you that your spirit isn't ready to say. Sing things through you that your, your emotions aren't ready to say, but you need to say it. And the world needs to, be, needs to receive it into the atmosphere of that area. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. We're going to talk about worship in the next few weeks. And today, worship changes outcomes. Not, Psalms 95, verse 1 through 6 says this. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Say, sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Say shout. You may not be a shouting person by nature, but the Bible commands us to be a people that know how to shout. You can't look at it and say, well, that's not my personality. No one's asking you about your personality. We're asking you to obey the word. There's times you need to shout. Amen. And a shout is also a part of worship. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. For the Lord is great. 
You know, when you don't feel like worshiping, when you don't feel like shouting, when you don't feel like praising, you're not praising because you feel like it. You're praising because he's great. You're singing because he's faithful. You're not singing to your feelings. Come on. You're not worshiping you. You're worshiping him. Isn't that wonderful? It's important for us. I'll finish this verse in a second. But a key thought I want us to understand is this. We do not worship worship. We worship God with our worship. That's why it doesn't matter style. I don't worship a style of worship. Come on. Worship is just a vehicle to get me to the one I love. To help me to, to, to say and capsulize some emotions and some feelings and some thoughts and to express them. We don't worship worship. We worship God. That's why if I feel like worship, I don't feel like it. It doesn't matter because I, my God is worthy of it regardless of how I feel. My God is worthy of those words even if I don't care for the style the band is using. Are you understanding this? Because worship isn't focused on you, the worship is focused on Him. And as long as the words in that song are praising Jesus Christ and honoring Him and pointing the direction to Him, I can declare those words. I can give the amen to those words. Come on. All of us have the temptation to get stuck in a moment, stuck in a generation. Come on, I will, I do. I guarantee you the stuff my kids wanna to listen to, I don't wanna to listen to. And there's gonna come a day where what I think is modern day worship is gonna become old school worship. And I'm gonna sit there and say, if only you did it like we did it back in, I was, I was really raised in 1995 in the church, which that was really the best worship in the history of church. Everything since then is just ridiculous. No, but you see how all of us can get stuck in a moment? Someday, even the young people of today who think that their worship is the thing, 50 years from now, it's going to change. The style, but not the message. Not the one who is unchanging, who is eternal. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? And so what we as worshipers need to do is engage our faith in the, in the words that are declared from the scripture that are being presented to us. Let me finish Psalms 95 or I'll never get anywhere in this message. Come, let us sing to the Lord together. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. I love that because it's saying you come to God with thanksgiving. Don't wait to see how the worship is going. Don't wait to come in to see if they get you all amped up. You enter his courts with thanksgiving. You enter the door with a praise. It doesn't matter if it's your favorite style or song because God is who you worship. God is the one you've come to see today. For the Lord is great, a great king above all gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him, for he made it. His hands formed the dry land too. Come, let us worship. Let us bow down. Don't you like that one? Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. There's times that we're charged in the scripture to stand and praise and worship. There's times we're charged to be silent in his presence. There's times we're called to shout. There's times we're called to dance. 
and you say, oh, Pastor Kevin, don't you start talking on dancing. I'm not going to dance. Yes, you will. I prophesy that God is going to light a fire under your feet. And those of you that say, I don't dance, you will become dancers. Amen. Because it's scriptural, and there's something freeing in it, and there's something of faith in it. And the Lord knows that while we sit, stand there and dance in the middle of a fiery furnace, come on, you can say, well, my circumstances don't make me want to dance. Well, let the fire put a fire under your feet. Come on. And let the chains get melted off your life. If you can dance in the middle of your circumstances, you'll always be more than a conqueror in the middle of those circumstances. Amen. Isaiah chapter 12, verse 5, sing unto the Lord, for he has done wonderful things. All of us have a reason to worship. All of us have a reason to praise. On your worst day, you have a reason to worship and praise. Amen? For he has done wonderful things. And I love that our worship, our praise to God, is making known his praise around the world. You know, other people are listening to what's coming out of our mouths. And they're hearing us sing. And you know what? People can see your life. My goodness, with Facebook and social media, people know everything about a lot of people. More than you ever thought that I ever want to know. I ate this today. I don't care what you ate today. But I know you care about what I ate, so I'm going to post mine. But people know what you're going through in life. And when they see you worship the Lord, you're teaching them what to do in the middle of their trouble too. And you're helping them see God like you're seeing God. And you're teaching your kids and your grandkids how to worship and to pass on a culture of worship generation after generation. Again, I say we do not worship worship, we worship God. We worship God for who he is. We worship God for what he has done and we worship him for what he will do. Today I want to show you in the scripture that worship changes outcomes. Worship is not just simply setting a mood in service. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes we think the worship is just setting the atmosphere, setting the mood. No, worship is changing situations. Worship is setting people free because of who they are worshiping. Worship is, is, a, is a place and, a, and is an active interaction between us and God's word and God's spirit. Worship changes outcomes. I've been in worship services before where I've been worshiping God and all of a sudden in the middle of my worship, the situation that I was tormented over in my mind when I came, the Lord spelled out to me the direction of how to overcome that situation or what to do. You know, you're at home stewing about the problem, and it doesn't seem like there's any answer. But then you come out of that, and you go into a place of worship, and all of a sudden, it's like the answer comes easy, because the Holy Spirit's able to get to you. He's able to speak it into you, drop it into you, give you revelation in that place, in that moment. I'm telling you, when we come together in worship, God is moving up and down every aisle, every row. He's healing bodies. He's binding up the broken heart. I'm also telling you he's depositing ideas and witty inventions. He's giving you creativity for your business. He's giving you resolutions that are going to make a lot of money for him in the kingdom of God and for your family to provide for you and your family because God can move in, in those moments of worship. The Holy Spirit is hovering like he did over the face of the waters, and he's creating what God is speaking over your life. 
in that presence of God. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Worship is not just setting a mood. My hope is that we as a church begin to fully embrace the practice of worshiping God. Worshiping God. Acts chapter 16. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. I'm going to make reference to this story um, in the Scriptures in Acts chapter 16. Worship changes outcomes. In this in particular story, uh, Paul and Silas, two apostles in the early church, were arrested and thrown in prison, beaten, thrown in prison, Acts chapter 16 in the New Testament. They were not arrested for doing something wrong. They were arrested for doing something right. They were bringing the kingdom of God. They were preaching the gospel of Jesus. There was a fortune teller possessed by a demonic spirit. They set her free from this demonic spirit, and her owners were mad because they lost that source of income through her fortune telling. So they had these men arrested, beaten, thrown in prison. And so they were in prison for doing the right thing. They were in a place of bondage. They were in a place of torment, opposition. They were in pain. They were going through struggle. And in the middle of their prison, at about midnight or in the middle of the night, the Bible says, they began to praise. They began to worship. Go to Acts chapter 16, verse 16. That's where it starts. And then if you go down, verse 25, the Bible says, Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, singing hymns to God. The other prisoners were listening. Remember what I said? Others are always listening. So they're in the middle of an unjust situation. They're in the middle of bondage. They're in the middle of a difficult, challenging, trying, painful time. And they choose to worship in the middle of that prison. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken from its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Isn't that wonderful? Matter of fact, it was so powerful, the guards that were watching this whole thing unfold ended up committing their lives to Christ, being water baptized, and their entire families came to Jesus. Amen. In the middle of a difficult, unjust, unfair situation, we can choose to worship God. They weren't worshiping God for the injustice. They weren't worshiping God for the prison. They were worshiping God in the midst, in spite of it. Come on. What are you going to draw on or what will come out of our mouth, even my mouth. This is challenging to me. Please, this is not me saying, Pastor Kevin is perfect. There's plenty of times in the middle of what I'm going through that I fail to call on the Lord or worship him to get myself out. There's times I choose to stay in that prison negative and grumpy for a couple of days. Please don't be shocked and don't be so silent. It makes me feel terrible. Like I'm this horrible person. You do it too. But this is a great reminder that we have the ability to choose what comes out of our mouth. We have the ability to lay hold of something, amen, that's gonna set us free. Even if it doesn't set us free out of the prison, physically, it keeps us free from the prison while we're in the middle of the journey. They didn't know this was gonna open the prison door. You don't know, may not realize, if you start worshiping right now, you might be able to walk right out of that thing that's been bugging you for seven days or a month. 
You may not realize that it's going to change the circumstances and get you out of it, but even if it doesn't change it in the natural, it changes you. And it sets you free in the middle of it. Isn't that powerful? A prison for you today may be a bondage of a fear. It may be anxiety, something holding you back, opposing you or harming you. Prisons take all forms in our lives. And in the middle of that prison moment, in the middle of that opposition, in the middle of that disappointment, whatever it is, fear, anxiety, I'm challenging all of us today. Can we put our eyes on the Lord? Can we start to give him the glory due his name, to thank him for who he, what he has done, to thank him for who he is, to thank him for what he will do, and begin to become a people of worship if we feel like it or not, if circumstances are going great or they're not going so great. Because that's the body of Christ. That's the people of God. Amen. And worship, as they began to worship, they didn't realize it, but that worship changed their physical situation. It changed the circumstances. That's the word of God to us today. Worship changes things, changes outcomes. Key thought here is worship when you don't understand, when it feels unfair, and instead of becoming bitter. Isn't that great? Worship when I don't understand. They didn't do anything wrong, but they're going through this. Worship. Worship God. Don't worship worship. Worship God. And God is always worthy of worship. Worship changes outcomes. Open your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. So Acts chapter 16 was in the middle of a prison. Acts or 2 Chronicles chapter 20, that's Old Testament. Don't want to get you confused. There's Chronicles in the Old Testament and Corinthians in the New Testament. We're going Old Testament for a minute. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. In this instance, unlike Acts, Acts was in a prison. In this instance, 2 Chronicles 20, we're talking about being in the middle of a battle. How many of you have ever been in the middle of a battle in your life? Come on. You've been in battles, battling against the enemy, battling against sin, battling against whatever, uh, lack of finances or just life in general. Just there seems like there's a warfare, there's a battle going on. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. The Bible says this. Now, Jehoshaphat is king of Judah. Just so this is who we're talking about, the king of Judah. This is the, the kingdom of Judah in the Old Testament. Jehoshaphat in chapter 20. After this, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, Munites declared war on Jehoshaphat. So there's these other nations that declared war upon Jehoshaphat and the kingdom of Judah. Messengers came and told him, a vast army from Edom is marching against you. Say, vast army. Vast army. They're marching against you. That can be intimidating. Can I hear an amen? Man, you can look at it. You see all the enemies surrounding you. You see the, the, the opposition surrounding you. You hear their curses. You hear their accusations. You see the circumstances mounting against you. And that's what's happening with Jehoshaphat. Here's all these nations are rallying to oppose him. They're starting to come and march against him. Verse 3, Jehoshaphat was terrified by the news, and he begged the Lord for guidance. So he's troubled by the battle he's facing. It seems impossible. seems like the enemy is outnumbering them. He goes to the Lord for guidance. Go down to verse 9. 
They remind themselves as a people in verse 9 that whenever they have faced calamity, they said whenever we have faced any calamity such as war, plague, or famine, we can come and stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us and you will rescue us. Don't you love that they had that in their spirit, in their expectation that, God, we've been surrounded by enemies before. We have faced plagues before. We have faced famine before. But you have told us that we can come before you and we can get in your presence and we can cry out to you. And in your presence, and when our voices cry out to you, you respond, you change situations, you change outcomes. It's not just about singing, that God gets involved in the battle. God gets involved in the outcome. Amen. If you boil all this down to shall we sing or not sing, you're missing the point. It's about the weapons of our warfare that are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. Worship is a weapon. Amen. And they have an expectation as they stand in his presence that he will hear us. Verse 13, as all the men of Judah stood before the Lord, with their little ones and their wives and their children. I love that. It was the people came into the temple, came into God's house. They surrounded it, and they stood in the presence of the Lord with their families. They're facing a battle. What do they do? Let's all go to church together. Let's all go to the presence of God together, and let's stand as a family because this battle has been coming against our home, has been coming against our family. Let us stand as a family in the presence of God because God's going to hear us. Because God's going to do something. God's going to get involved. God's going to be faithful like he's been faithful. Do you see that? I'm asking you fathers and the, in, this, in this room and watching, let us have that as our habit and expectation rather than sitting home, licking our wounds, sitting home, getting self um, into self-pity because of the stuff we're dealing with in our family. Can we teach our homes and our families? We will go to the house of God as a family. We will stand in the presence of God and God will answer us. You say, well, pastor, what if I don't have a husband or there's not a father figure? Ma'am, you are the mother. You bring your grandkids, your kids. You, are you understanding this? It's the same expectation. But I, want to challenge, I wanted to challenge men in that. It specifically mentioned men. But there's no less expectation or authority in talking to those of you in the room that don't have that in your home. You have that authority. Amen. You have that dominion. You have that ability to bring your families before God and expect great things and great miracles. The Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. And he said this, Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. For the battle is not yours, it's God's. Isn't that awesome? I say that over you today. The battle is not yours, it's God's. 
And one of the ways we give that battle to God is we take our hands off of it and we put our hands in the air and we begin to worship God and surrender to God and magnify God and celebrate God and get our eyes on God and then watch God. Watch him do what he promised. And so this prophetic word came into that sacred assembly and he reminded them that the battle is not yours, the battle is the Lord's. Verse 16, tomorrow march out against them. You will find them coming through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley. Verse 17, but you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you. O people of Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Amen. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Say, worshiping the Lord. Don't just take a prophetic word and go, thanks. Worship the Lord. Celebrate the Lord. Put your faith in it. Let your heart rise and meditate on it. Amen. And thank God for speaking today. Worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood to praise the Lord. So they began to praise God. They began to worship God. Remember, they're being surrounded by enemies, and this becomes their response. See, it was bigger than them in the natural, so all they could do, they said, we're going to go to God. We're going to worship the Lord. In the natural, these enemies are too great. In the natural, we can't turn this thing around, but we know what to do. We serve a supernatural God. We serve a greater God. We're going to begin worshiping him. We're going to get in his presence. He's going to know what to do. He's going to be our defender. Amen. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, so remember, that's the king. The king stopped and said, listen to me, all of you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord, praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. He is faithful. His love endures forever. So get this picture. They're surrounded by this great army. They don't have sufficient means to defeat them. They go to God. God gives this prophetic word that the battle is the Lord's, not theirs. They thank God for it. Jehoshaphat the king says, here's what we're going to do. We still got to go out there. We still have to go do our part. We have to go out there and do our part in the battle. We got to be present. We have to show up. But he says, we're going to do this differently. We're not going to put our warriors in the front. We're going to put our worshipers in the front. How many of you know worshipers are warriors too? We're going to lead this thing with worship not with swords and weapons of the flesh, but with the weapons of the Spirit. So the choirs and the singers and the, the, those that would lead in psalm and worship would want, go out. And, and notice what they sang. They weren't even singing, Lord, we thank you for beating the enemy. You're like, they didn't sing that, Pastor Kevin, because that's a horrible tune. That doesn't sound good at all. What I'm trying to say is they weren't just sitting there, thank you for beating the enemy. They were focusing on who God is. They were singing about his faithfulness. They were singing about how he's been faithful, his goodness, his majesty, who he is. Are you understanding this? Which you can always sing about in the middle of whatever you're going through because he is faithful. Amen. And worthy to be praised. 
Give thanks to the Lord. He's faithful and his love endures forever. At that very moment that they began to sing and give praise. Say, at that very moment. At that very moment when they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. The armies turned against their allies and killed every one of them. <laughs> they destroyed each other. Isn't that awesome? At the very moment they began to worship and praise, I'm here to tell you today that worship changes outcomes. Who knows, but at that very moment we begin to gather together and to sing and to worship that the battle switches and turns right in the middle of that moment. I know one thing for sure, the situation may not have changed, but in that moment you have changed. You have grown. You have overcome. And eventually the circumstances are going to catch up with that spiritual reality. And so what happened was the people of Judah just went in and reaped all the harvest. Just reaped it all in. But the battle began to change, and they led with worship. They led with praise. Worship changes outcomes for a few reasons. Let me give you a few reasons. Can you take a little bit more? Good, because I was going to give it to you anyway. <laughs> worship changes outcomes for a few reasons. Number one, these are long sentences, so you may want to look in your Calvary Orlando app later for note clarification. But number one, the reason outcomes change is because worship shifts our focus from the battle, which would be the problem, to our God who is with us in the midst of the battle. When you begin to praise, when you begin to worship, you're taking your eyes off of the battle, off of the problem, and you're intentionally looking at God who is with us in the middle of that battle. It's kind of like Peter walking on the water, if you remember that story. He began to look at the waves, he began to look at the wind, and he began to sink when he took his eyes off Jesus. But when you are a person of praise and you're a person of worship, and you begin to glorify God for who he is, for what he's done, what he will do, you're fixing your eyes by a choice on him instead of the battle. You stop staring at the problem. You sit there and stare at the problem all day, and it's going to make you more fearful, more anxious, right, more negative, or I can choose to get my eyes off the problem, get my eyes on God, and begin to say, God, you are faithful. You are good. You are unfailing. You are smarter, bigger, stronger than all of us. You have a way when I don't see a way, and I get my eyes on God. I, I choose to lift up my gaze and worship God. It's an act of my will, and it's so powerful. Psalms 23, 4, this is a very familiar passage of Scripture talking about walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Even when I walk through the darkest valley or the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid. Why aren't they afraid? Because you're close beside me. You're with me, the King James says. Your rod and your staff they protect and they comfort me. So what's David saying? I'm in the middle of this valley. I'm in the middle of this trouble. I'm in the middle of this, you know, valley of the shadow of death. But I'm not going to be afraid because 
I behold that you are with me. I see that you're right here. I choose to take my eyes off the valley and to keep my eyes on you while I continue to walk through the valley. Amen. If you're walking through a valley, here's the advice. Don't stop. Keep walking because you'll get out of the middle of that valley of the shadow of death. But you keep your eyes on the author and the finisher of your faith. You keep your eyes on the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. You keep your eyes on God and stop looking at the death in the valley because you're walking with the life in the valley. You're walking with the light in the valley. You're walking with God in the midst of that valley. Amen. And you're aware of his presence in the middle of your problem. Naturally, our mind will see all that is against us. That's human nature, especially if you're Italian. (laughs) Forget about it. Amen. I say amen to that. Naturally, our mind will see all that is against us. We're trained to see that. It's, It's obvious. Worship intentionally directs my attention to the one that is with us instead of what's against us. Amen. Number two reason why worship changes outcomes. Worship shifts our mind off we, what we cannot do, and it puts it towards God and what he can do and what he has done. When you begin to sing of his goodness and you begin to sing of his acts, you're getting your eyes off your weakness and you're singing about his strength. Amen? Number three, worship draws my perspective of a situation from an earthly one up to a heavenly one. How many of you know we can get stuck in a, in a dot of time? We can get stuck in a temporal moment, in a passing, fleeting, vapor moment. And we think it's the end of the world. Has anyone ever been there? I remember being in junior high school and I, you know, you're starting to, you know, you're starting to notice there's girls over there, you know what I mean? And you're like, hey, you're in junior high. And this girl rejects you. I remember one time I was, I was a campus pastor for a Christian school. <laughs> I have this distinct memory of this little junior high, and I felt my heart went out to him. I was, he's just crying in the hallway of the school. And I'm like, what's going on, man? Well, you're just like broken. What's going on? And he's like, this girl, she, it was my turn to be her boyfriend. And I was like, your turn? Like, like I don't think that's the girl you're going to want in the long run anyway. And I'm like, it's okay, man. You're in seventh grade. There's a lot of time. There's a lot. But in that moment, right? In that moment, this is the most real thing. And worship helps us to realize there is an eternity in front of us. And God in his eternal perspective is still on the throne. And these things the Bible calls these light momentary afflictions. But yet we turn them into like these massive impossible things. And the truth is even if we were honest with ourselves, most of the things we fretted about 20 years ago, we can't even remember what they were. But in the moment, it was the biggest thing in the world. Worship helps get our minds off the temporal moment, off this this perspective of this current situation and puts it up to a heavenly, eternal one. It helps us zoom out of our immediate situation and see an eternal perspective. There's an old hymn called It Is Well With My Soul. Anyone ever heard it before? It Is Well With My Soul. Many of you are familiar with the story a gentleman by the name of Horatio Spafford wrote this hymn. 
long time ago. I think it was in the late 1800s or so. The story goes like this. Um, I think they were living in Chicago, and they were going on some sort of a, a missionary trip with the family. Uh, he sent his wife and I think four daughters ahead on a boat, on a cruise, like a ship. He had to stay back last minute. While his wife and daughters were sailing across the ocean to go do this ministry work, there was a storm or something, or they hit something, and the ship sank, and all four of his children were killed. His wife was rescued. He met her. I think it was in England or something. While he was traveling over the water in the spot where the ship went down and his children were, uh, were buried in the sea, the Lord gave him this song, It Is Well With My Soul. Let me read you the words. When peace like a river attends my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, that gives you kind of perspective of what he's seeing in that moment, right? He talks about when there's peace, it's great, but then there's times in life like this where the worst thing you could ever imagine happens and sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. And my personal opinion on this isn't that he was saying, it's okay that my daughters are buried here, but I think what he was saying was, even in the midst of this, you have my soul. You are my peace. I can make it through with you. Are you understanding that? Because there's things in life that are not well, that are not good. There's tragedy and circumstances and even offenses that happen against us that are not good things, they're evil things. But even when we walk through things like that, you can be safe in the hand of God. Amen? You can be constant in a place of peace. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, you have taught me to say it as well, it is well with my soul. Verse 2, though Satan should buffet, though trial should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless state and has shed his own blood for my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. So he's saying here, when Satan comes in and he's doing all this stuff, I'm going to take assurance that Christ shed his blood for my soul. Notice he's not getting drawn into the drama of the devil. He's staying in this eternal perspective that though these warfares, these attacks are going on, I am anchored in the fact that I am forgiven. I have been washed in the blood of Jesus. This life is temporal anyway, and these are, these are attacks are temporal anyway, and the devil can't take me out of the grace of God, and he can't take me out of the Lamb's book of life. Are you understanding this? Verse three, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part, but the whole, it is nailed to the cross, and I don't bear it anymore. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul, it is well, it is well with my soul. So here he's again, he's in the middle of seeing where his children perished, and what is he doing? He's worshiping God, and he's putting his eyes on the eternal things, not these disappointments, which are so hard and tragic, but he knows that even this life is fleeting, and he puts his eyes through worship, he sees the eternal work of Jesus and the eternal assurance he has. Amen. Even if we get a few extra years out of this life, it's nothing compared to the eternal. Amen. And I love the final verse. And Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. 
The clouds will be rolled back like a scroll. The trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well, it is well with my soul. So here's this moment. Yeah, you can celebrate that. So no matter what you're going through, do you understand he's writing a worship song here? And he's saying, even in this tragedy, I'm going to fix my eyes on the day of the coming of the Lord. Because again, all this is passing away. And everything we do down here anyway is about eternity. Every choice, every sacrifice, everything. It's all about how it impacts eternity. Not, if you just live for this present life, you will be greatly frustrated and disappointed. But when you begin to worship God who lives in the eternal, and you begin to worship God who's from his perspective of these things, we have something, someone to worship no matter what we're going through. But you see how this worshipful expression was pulling his eyes off this moment of great disappointment and reminding him of the eternal victory, reminding him of the eternal plans and purposes of God and that God is faithful. Amen. Number four, worship is declaring God's word, which are his promises. This is why worship changes outcomes. When we worship and when we sing, if you choose good worship songs, which you want to make sure your worship songs are scriptural, say amen. amen. Just because they sell it in Christian stores doesn't mean it's accurate theology. Listen to the words. But good worship songs capture scripture and we declare that scripture as we sing together. So when you are singing, you're declaring, you're speaking, and you may not realize it, you're memorizing God's word. Come on. You may not remember the verse, but you can remember it to music. They used to teach you in school, if you can't remember history, make up a song about it, right? It helps you recall with song and music. Worship is capturing our scriptures, capturing our theology, setting it to music so that you can release it and you can remember it. Isaiah 55 says this, 55:11, it is the same with the word, the word of God. I send it out, it will always produce fruit, it will accomplish all I want it to, it will prosper everywhere I send it. God's word changes things. You have to see worship coming out of your mouth as releasing God's word as you sing. Last thought, worship changes the enemy's position in your mind in the situation from central to peripheral. Sometimes we're so busy focusing on what the devil's doing, we have to intentionally worship and all of a sudden the devil goes from a central figure in the story to peripheral and God becomes the center of your focus because you're singing to God. You have the ability to physically change the devil's spotlight in the moment. So I'm not going to sit here and stare at the, what the devil's doing. You're going to the side, devil. I'm going to look at the Lord. I'm going to sing to the Lord. I'm going to worship the Lord. Here's what we're going to do. Before I close the service, we're going to practice this. Go ahead and stand up. Go ahead. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. I need you to move quickly because I want to enjoy this time. I'd like to invite you down to the altars, please, if you can physically get here. If you can physically get here, come on down. We're going to have a time to practice what we've just preached. I don't know what you're going through. We have lots of space on the sides over there, over there, over there. Come on down. Come on down. We're going to do this as an exercise together. We're not going to exercise. We're going to do this as an exercise. 
and make some space, make some space, spread out. We're gonna worship. I asked the worship team to come and lead us in a final song of worship. And I want us to see what we're doing. We're declaring God's word. We're singing about who he was, who he is, what he's done. If you're going through a battle right now, if you're facing a prison right now, if all you see is the enemies that are surrounded around you, this is the most perfect way to bring this together for you. I want you to put some faith and expectation behind this. To give God praise and to begin to worship him and to see him and just watch him melt the chains off your heart. Watch faith just begin to rise because you begin to intentionally, you say, Pastor Kevin, maybe last week I felt like doing something like that, but I don't feel like doing it this week. That means this is the perfect moment for you. In spite of your feelings, in spite of what you can see around you, to like a believer, just put your hands up in the air and begin to worship God. Not worship, worship, worship God. Worship team, would you take us into the presence of the Lord and sing, lead us? forgiven my future is heaven I praise God for what he's done come on church sing with me sing again what he's done what he's done all the glory and the honor to the Son my sins are forgiven. My future is heaven. I praise God for what he's done. Somebody lift up your hands and say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. And today, this is our response. See on the hill of Calvary, my Savior bled for me, my Jesus set me free. And look at the wounds that give me life, grace flowing from his side, no greater sacrifice. Come on, let's see what he's done. What he's done, all the glory and the honor to the Son. My sins are forgiven, my future is heaven. I praise God for what he's
Say, I praise God. I praise God for what he's done. Hallelujah. I praise God for what he's done. Go ahead and put your hands up one more time, if you would. And just begin to thank him in your own words and your own way. Go ahead, worship him, church. We don't need to rush that moment. Give him praise for who he is. With your own words, Lord, I love you. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we give you glory. Come on, get put some volume behind it, church. There's no more important place to be right now than with the presence of the Lord. Go ahead and give him some praise. Put some volume behind it. Put your hands up. Tell him what he's done. Remind him. Remind yourself, God, you were faithful here. I remember when you paid for that bill. I remember when you healed my son. I remember when you brought me out of that hospital room. God, I give you praise. God, I give you thanks for what you've done, for who you are. Thank you for saving me, God. Thank you for Jesus on that cross, for my sin. Thank you that my name and my family's names are written in that Lamb's Book of Life. Thank you that my family is waiting for me in heaven. Thank God we'll see them again. Lord, we don't mourn like those without no hope. Lord, we know that they have eternal life. We thank you for your soon coming. We thank you for your return. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that you are King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords. You're greater, greater than all our problems, greater than all our circumstances, God. You are faithful. You are wonderful. You're amazing, God. You're wonderful, Jesus. God, we honor you. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. Say hallelujah. Say praise the Lord. Come on, church, give him praise, 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 give him praise. Hallelujah. All right, praise God. Isn't that good? Don't you enjoy that? Let me do something, though, real quick. Before we dismiss, I want to ask you if you have Jesus Christ in your heart as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, which means we all need a savior. The Bible goes on to say that the wages of our sin is death, which is separation from God, even hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. The Bible goes on to say that all who will call on the name of the Lord shall, will, shall be saved. And so today, if you aren't sure, where you stand with the Lord, would you let us pray with you right where you are? Would you all bow your head and close your eyes for the next minute? Say, Pastor Kevin, I don't remember a time in my life that I ever asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior. I don't remember ever calling on Him to be my Lord. I'm going to count to three in just a moment, and if you say you're ready, I'm ready to call on Jesus to be my Lord, my Savior, then just raise your hand right where you are. We'll pray for you right where you are. Or you might say, Pastor Kevin, I used to have this thriving relationship with God, but if I was honest, I've walked away, my heart's grown cold, and I would like a restart. I would like to recommit my life to Jesus Christ. When I count to three, just raise your hand and we'll pray for you right where you are. If you've never given your life to the Lord or you want to recommit your life to the Lord today on the count of three, just simply raise your hand. Ready? One, two, three. If that's you, would you put your hand up? There's a hand right there. Anybody else? Second hand, awesome, praise God. Anyone else? Put it up, put it up high so I can see it. Two. Don't leave this place. There's a third hand back there. I see you. Thank you very much. Don't leave this place out of relationship with the Lord. Anyone else today? A fourth hand over here. Awesome. Thanks, guys, for helping me see it. Fifth. I see you over there. Six. I over there. God sees you way over there in the corner. Praise God. Awesome. Church, let's celebrate that. That's pretty tremendous.
All right, let's pray. Would you all bow your heads? Let's pray. Let's pray together. Repeat this prayer. We're going to pray it with you so you're not praying by yourself. Let's pray together. Put your heart as much as you can and your faith into it. Repeat this prayer with me. Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize I've sinned and I've walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me and that he rose again. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take every part of me now. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's celebrate them. Welcome home. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.